Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Seems like we just recorded a Tour de France recap and we're into the Olympic Games road races preview, men and women's. The TT preview will be a separate podcast so it doesn't drag on too long and it's a little bit after the road race. So the men's road race is on Saturday, I think. Women's road race is on Sunday on separate days. They're early in the morning, I think like 4 a.m. to 11 a.m., roughly Central European time for me and benji who i have here as always and as always the show is supported by our show partner lacole uh but yeah benji this i'll get into the profile first just to get your immediate reaction to it and maybe see if you think like try and draw a comparison to any previous one day races that are this hard 232 k's gradual climb up the doshi road four and a half k six percent then they do the fuji climb 14 and a half k six percent descent then they go a lap around the finish line for like 40Ks. Then the Makuni Pass, 7Ks, 10%. Then a, a short descent, then Kagosaka Pass, 2.3, 4.6, then a non-technical descent, I think. And then a, they do the circuit on the finish line. So Makuni Crest with 30Ks to go to the finish. It's got a steep section in the middle. When's the last race we've seen like this one-day race with climbs this hard? Well, it's honestly quite difficult to look at it like that because you'd say you've got mountain classics like in Lombardia and so forth, but I feel like that's still very different. The yeah. Olympics is ridden with teams that go from one rider to like, what is it, six riders in the in the max of, of the biggest teams. So it's going to be more tactical than it is forcing your way through this parkour. And because of that, you might see odd things like if we go back, it's now five years ago in Rio, we had early moves already halfway to race with Vincenzo Nibali into the attack. And now as well, crashes in the front group. And then eventually, Fanavamal and Fulsang came around towards the end and ended up battling it out. So it was a very tactical race. And it also played out probably much different than anybody anticipated beforehand. And that's going to play in the cards of the same here. I think that before we go into like riders and so forth, I think we might see a surprising winner or at least a surprising rider on the podium yeah, because it's a tactical race and because it's different very much when it comes to the teams that are participating and how the teams will work together. There are teams with simply just leaders together and then it's a question of who's going to ride for who and so forth. But parkour-wise, I love it. I like it. I really enjoy it. And I think it offers a lot of discussion and we'll get right into it. I want to break up the the men's race, the profile into two separate categories. The first is the first 140 kilometers and that is who is going to be in charge of controlling a breakaway and who is going to want to get riders into that breakaway when these climbs are not outrageous gradients. The second phase of the race is obviously the flat 40Ks or undulating rather 40Ks before Makuni and then what we can expect on Makuni, who might attack their pace there, etc. Who were their teams going to want to drop before the 
uh, sort of running to the finish because we have uh, – let me bundle some riders together. We have good climbers who will be wanting to hang on there to then have a chance at the finish who are fast or more ruler style, i.e. Van Aert, Betiol, Ciccone, Moscon, Fulsang. Uh, Asgren is too hard, I think as well uh valverde will just want to hang on and then there's riders who will want to break free Maida, adam yates dan martin those sort of riders but first question oh luchenko first question benji who which which sort of riders do you expect to try and get in a breakaway i'll throw one out there for you van seven on yeah i think that it's going to be tactical when it comes to the teams and that will decide who will go into the breakaway i think a team like belgium is perfect to try and do things Usually in these kind of races, the national team of Belgium tends to control the race and go for their leaders. But I think it would be very clever if they played out von Sevenandon in the middle of the race, for example, played him in a bit of a break, push the other teams in the peloton to really do something instead of just sitting while Belgium is pacing and let the others pace and force them to pace by being in the break. When that's why I think someone like indeed von Sevenandon could do that. With the Netherlands, you could even go as far as saying, uh, they've got Dumoulin, Mollema, Kelderman, Van Barle. You could try and get Van Barle in one of those breakaways. Yep. You can get, in the French team, you can get Elison in a break like that. With Colombia, you can try and get Higuita or something in a group like that. And, yep, exactly. Ciccone for Italy, perhaps, unless no, you want to save him for so. the latter part. I don't think so. You think they're going to save him? I think the way he climbed in the Giro, mm-hmm. which surprised me, yeah. I think they're going to want to hold him. I think they're going to trust that he can he can hang on Mikuni, I don't think it's irrational to think that after yeah. what I saw in Italy. Um, so I think Ciccone and Italy, they will hold. I think they're going to try and get one of Moscon or Betiol in the break mm-hmm. because in a break on Fuji, Moscon, Betiol, the way those guys climb, if it's a bit hot, I think it should be absolutely fine. I think Vol- uh, Eddie Dunbar for Ireland, I'd like to see him yeah. in a breakaway as well. He's a really good climber. Um, obviously, Spain... They've got to try and get Freyler, one of their guys, Freyler, Gorka, or Jesus Ferrari into the break. They have to. Um, I'm trying to look at other riders that might try and go. Uh, George Bennett, he's probably – it's his best chance of winning to go on the break, I think, uh, as well as Austria. Actually have a good team for this. Pernsteiner, Conrad Mulberger with Conrad's yeah. form. I'd like to see – well, Mulberger's not shown much this year. I'd like to see Pernstein in the break as well. He was active in Swiss. So they're the sort of riders I'd expect, you know, Mader as well, but he, he's maybe even too dangerous. Like, if you see Mader in the break, Benji, I'd want to keep that pretty tight. You're right. I think that it's with a lot of riders, but then the question is who's going to ride and who's going to yeah, take yeah, up that exactly. mantle. And with this kind of race where you have teams with only five riders, then it's going to be difficult to uh, decide, oh, we're going to start pacing because you're spending – 20% of your team, at least, if you want to start pacing in the peloton. And that's where the tactics come in. And that's why putting someone in the front will be useful. And that's why it could become very surprising. Let's say that the biggest teams have a name in the front group. And then you've got a situation where you already need to see, I don't know, like United States offer one of their riders up to try and chase in the peloton. Ecuador for Carapaz has Narvaez pacing. Are they going to be able to pace against like five to six teams in the breakaway if Germany, Slovenia has a rider in there, Belgium, Netherlands, Spain, Italy? Uh, good luck. Uh, if, if, if you're Belgium, you can't let Slovenia get a rider in the break. Yeah. Well, unless it's like, I don't know, Polans, you can still try and 
Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised. A few weird omissions. Morich would have been better, I think, yep. in the Slovenian team. And as well as, obviously, the big one is Mark Badun for Ukraine. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know who Anatoly Budjak is, but Mark Badun would have been. Who knows? He might be a legend. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's better. Imagine he's better. if he gets gold. <laughs> well, he must. If he's better than Mark Verdun because he's been picked, Jesus, he must be pretty good. <laughs> Watch up him on the Cooney. <laughs> Poland, Micah looked quite good in the third week of the tour. Kwiatkowski climbing better than I expected. I yep. think they, they have a chance. The, the big thing I want to talk about now as we talk about the second phase of the race is the weather conditions. I just looked at Damiano Caruso's recon ride. He just did the Makuni recon. The average temperature was 36 degrees. The humidity is incredibly high. We will not be surely seeing high watts per kilo performances because it's not physiologically possible in those sort of temperatures. So, I mean, I think that my expectation then is, Benji, there's more likely to be a group of riders pacing on Makuni at 6.1, 6.2 for 20 watts per kilo for 20 minutes and there'll be riders who just can't handle the heat collapsing. I don't expect there to be just like Pagatra and Roglic, 6.5 for 20, riding away from everybody because the heat surely will will affect them too much. Uh, but, yeah, A, who do you have any insight or knowledge on to who you think is good in really hot conditions, a view on that, and, and also how you think the two Slovenian top dogs will go in it? Well, we've had this ongoing storyline or narrative at least that Pogacar is less in very hot conditions and so forth. And that's brought to us because, well, the only moments we've seen him have a bad day was in hot conditions. And he's very good at cold and wet conditions. So the question there is, is that remaining to be true? Is that actually going to be the case? That's something I'm very curious to see. That's why I've got like one line left, uh, one line less when it comes to uh, Pogacar on my list here. And therefore, it wouldn't surprise me if if they end up having Roglic as as their man for this. But it's it's like difficult because when you have Roglic and Pogacar in the same team, you gotta decide at some point who you're gonna go for. And they don't have like it's not like Polans and the other guy are going to Trotnik are going to stay up in that group the entire Mikuni Pass. That's extremely unlikely. So by the top of that climb, what's gonna happen? Stuff like that and. I think when it comes to Spain, Valverde tends to be better in hot conditions than rainy conditions, but Valverde is also quite inconsistent lately. So it's very difficult to say, is he going to be good here or is he not going to be good? I think that a name you said earlier, uh, two names you said earlier, are ones that I'm looking for in a potential podium candidate that are unexpected to do so. And that is Lutsenko and Betiol. Lutsenko, because I feel like the hot conditions do quite suit him. Yep. And when it comes to Betiol, I've got the same feeling, although I'm not 100% sure of that one. So those are like two outsider names that I'd love to see do well because I think that they can play into that dark horse role. They can be that rider like Betiol in the Tour of Flanders where he won, where he was not a favorite at all. And he used that to his advantage because he went and nobody instantly reacted because, well, one, his attack was pretty powerful, but also because he was not the favorite they were looking for. Vanderpool was in that group already again. So, yeah, they can play into that role. And the same with Moscon. Uh, I know that he's not the most popular rider on the internet, but he's still a damn good rider. So 
on this parkour. It wouldn't surprise me if he does well. And I'm also looking at Colombians, for example. We know that Quintana is no, probably decent here, but it. I don't believe him because I don't think he can get away on a climb from the rest of the people. And even if he doesn't get away, then he can't win. So that's where I don't see it, Uran either. But Higita could surprise. And that's the one at Colombia that I do see doing decent, for example. But what are names that you see as ooh, hot conditions? Oh, I like it. The riders I, I've really been looking at are not the riders who can just straight up drop everybody on Makuni. It's who mm-hmm. can re, who can reattack from a reduced group on Kagasaka Pass afterwards. I am expecting a smaller group there on 2.2K is 5%. Who's punchy enough to get away and hold it on the descent? And if maybe there's still a group on that little rise before the finish, you know, who's who's quick enough to win from a reduced group or attack in the last 10 kilometers. So the, the names I like are Chicone. I, I like Chicone um, to be able to hold on and attack from that group. I like Valverde, Dan Martin, who else? Gino Maida from the break yeah. as well as a long shot. These are, I, I basically like a lot of long shots uh, rather than the, the top favorites and, Maybe that's a mistake for not appreciating how good Pagacar is. But I think while for Nart, people are going to be so concerned about going to the finish with him that it's not going to be like he's running against Kenny Ellison in 1v1 and on 1v2 at this race. Uh, I had someone else, Adam Yates. Adam Yates I got a big case for. He's been the strongest climber in the UAE Tour the last two years. He put Pagacar under yeah. a lot of pressure on her feet. He won San Sebastian at like 22 years old. Now San Sebastian not always hot. It's... You know, can be cool in the Basque Country, but I think he's quite good in hot conditions, or at least I've not seen him struggle in them. High-level performance on her feet. My main concern is he was on the Tour de Suisse start list and then removed. For I don't really see an explanation for it. Maybe I haven't looked hard enough. Now, was he injured? Was he sick? That wasn't disclosed. I don't know, but um, that's my main concern. He hasn't raced since Liège in January, February, March, April. That's like three months ago. So, but I guess maybe he's been peaking for it, and you'd be expecting him doing the Vuelta in hot conditions, end of July, start of August. He'll be hoping to be acclimatized to the heat. He's also been able to go over earlier than the likes of Tane Pagacha. So, I like I like Adam Yates uh, yeah. as well. So, is there any reason why you think none of them have a chance, Benji? Well, you mean like Adam Yates or? Dan Martin Ooh. or, say, Valverde wow. or Ciccone? I think Valverde often had the issue where in these types of races, I think in Olympics as well, he was stuck behind. And he was always in the second group, called behind when an attack goes because he's the kind of rider that lets others do the work more than doing it himself in a reduced group that is chasing and also in a reduced group that is away because then somebody attacks and he's like, oh, you can close it. I won't close it directly. And then he's stuck behind and he ends up losing the reins. We saw that. I think with Rikosta, uh, when he won the World Championships, I think Valverde was in the second group and Purito was there as well, somewhere near, and they couldn't work together. And <laughs> oh, good old days. I love it. But, I mean, but, good um, old days probably happened with the Italy and Spain teams. It's, <laughs> it's Olympics. Italy's going to yeah. attack Ciccone on the descent. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, like you're saying hold Nibali for the end. I wouldn't even dare to do that. I would. Yeah, he'll get dropped. In Rio, he actually went early and he was in the early group that got away halfway the race. So what if he does that again in, in here? And the thing with Nibali is that when it comes to weather conditions, it influences him a lot. But I've heard and I've seen times where in very cold conditions, he's amazing. 
And when it comes to very hot conditions, often I've seen him do very well as well. So I feel like there's there's been a blurred line there where he's crossed that a few times and therefore it's not that consistent, the weather conditions impacting his form. And in all honesty, I'd be surprised if Nibali wins the Olympics. Very surprised. <laughs> so would I. So would the market. I, I think that he's about the fourth favorite on his Italy team. And yeah. therefore I'd put him as a rider in the offensive because... <laughs> I'm afraid that that is uh, undisclosed. But um, like, I think that we're going to see a lot of people just go early. And therefore, it, like I said it a few times already, and you said it as well, this race might not even be decided with a, a crazy attack on Mikuni Pass. It might be more decided when it comes to tactics in the valley before and the climb before and so forth. Exactly. Do you think that we'll see attacks on Mount Fuji, for example, already? I think you'll want to... I I don't want to get into the valley later with Tratnik and Polance if I'm the other teams. Uh, I want to also see what Walfenart looks like. So I I would want to. I also don't want Belgium to have multiple riders. Uh, I'd want to put Bernard under pressure there as well. Um, Maybe I'll I'll just read out the, I guess the main riders on each team. I guess we should have done that in a more formulaic or professional way. So Poland. Kwiatkowski, Micah Bodnar, low-key good team. Lutschenko's the leader for Kazakhstan. Belgium have five riders. Van Aert, Evenepoel, Van Avermaet, Benoit, Van Sevenant. Van Aert, I guess, is the leader. Evenepoel, I don't know. Uh, they're the two leaders, Evenepoel and Van Aert. Van Avermaet, I mean, if, if he's good at this race, then as is a Citroen, should probably cut him because he was useless in the two. I don't know why he's in the team. I don't know why Dylan Turns isn't in the team. Instead of Tesh yeah. but anyway, Netherlands, Dumoulin, Moller, McKelvin, Van Bala. I think they're going to struggle. France, Cavagna, Cosnefra, Gudu, Martin, Elisande, No Philippe. I think they're going to struggle. Cosnefra probably won't get over the uh, the Doshu pass. It's two k six percent. Got dropped by. What do you get? Dropped by Fred Wright on a six percent climb. I mean, for fuck's sake, um, save the airfare. Italy, Caruso, Moscon, Bedio, Ciccone, Nibali, really strong all around. Austria, Pernsteiner, Conrad Mulberger, Spain, Valverde, Izaguirre, Brothers, Errata, Freyler, Benji called them out correctly for Nobel Bow the other day. Denmark, Fulsang, Asgren, Julians, and Valgren. Problem is their best rider is the heaviest one, Asgren. Germany, Schachmann, Buchmann, Arndt, Geschke. Schachmann's been peaking for this. Great Britain, Thomas, Yates, Brothers, Gagenhardt. I thought they'd be really good, but Gagenhardt looks bad. Switzerland, Hirschi, Kung, Scher, Maida, um, low-key good team with Maida, I think, and Slovenia, the favourites, obviously, with Roglic, Pogacar, Stratton, Polans, and there's obviously riders on smaller teams with strong riders. Ecuador, uh, Nervais yeah. and Carapaz. I find Nervais a really interesting candidate to do For something. Break. And uh, I, Yeah, but also, just in general, I don't know where to strike. Like, a break would be more suiting because on Mikuni Paz, he probably can't follow based on his Giro performances, but... He's been really surprising on several occasions in the last year. And another rider that is perhaps overlooked because he's on a, a team that you wouldn't see as one of the favorite teams here, but is Merawi Kudus. He's riding for Eritrea. And in all honesty, he's always been decent at very hot conditions at the Vuelta a few times and also True. at the UAE Tour or whatever um, Middle Eastern race it was. Uh, and Or Oman, one of those two. He was good at one of those. But... In the end, what I want to say is he's always been surprising on those kind of races. Wouldn't surprise me if he's decent here, but unfortunately, he hasn't really showed that in the latter parts of well, the last two years. I guess he did win like the national championships just a second ago, which is literally like two weeks ago. 
and Ionica ran his second about a month ago. And that was against decent competition, not crazy competition on Olympics level, though. And um, I think that we're underrating the riders surrounding Lutsenko as well. Like, sure, they're Kazakhstani oh, riders. Pronsky's good. The biggest names. Grushdev is not really the name I'm looking for. But Pronsky actually had a really good result at the uh, at the Olympics, uh, at, at the Jura, I mean. He was on the last mountain stage, I think. He was top 20. And that does display that he can actually climb. And he was 16 von Fale Spluga up in Mota stage, stage 20 of the Giro, uh, Pronsky. So it can definitely be of help for Lutsenko as well. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I think he's a bit underrated as a domestique here. Australia have Dennis Port, Durbridge Hamilton. They're missing Hagen O'Connor. I think it's all on Port, really. Didn't look great in the Tour de France. America have got McNulty Craddock. Portugal have a, a solid top five favourite in Almeida, supported by Nelson Oliveira. Then yeah. Ireland is Dan Martin Roche Dunbar. I think I've done them all. Obviously, Walter uh, for Hungary and Kangert for Estonia with Peter Pouls. So, actually, a lot of strong riders that this parkour suits. It's not like it's the Olympics. <laughs> well, it they're going to send rookies. <laughs> if it's a sprint, you know, if it's a sprint type parkour, you're really mm-hmm. only looking at five guys. Yeah, with the tactics, etc. Maybe there's so many riders that can win. What about Great Britain, Benji? What are you expecting from them? A team I thought at the start of this year would be very, very strong, but now a lot of question marks about Thomas Gagenhart and the Yates brothers. I put someone in the uh, in the attack in the middle of the stage. I think Gagenhart fits there because, well, he hasn't been at top form at the Tour de France in my opinion. So he's the kind of rider I push forward for that. I think Thomas can be of use in a valley or as a kind of pacer for Adam Yates. I feel like Adam Yates is the strongest of the team. Simon Yates could be the rider that goes early on a Mikuni pass and goes for a bit of a push and tries a bit of a sneaky attack while Adam Yates stays on because I feel like Adam Yates is the more likely candidate to drop people on that uh, that small pass at the top on the on the plateau section after the Mikuni pass. What's it called? The other pass? Kagasaka. Yeah, Kagasaka pass. Um, so that's how I tactically would see Great Britain playing this out. But yeah, it's it's a difficult one to predict because you know that the Olympics have been, have been so oddly ridden the last few times so that it could literally go every single way. We could see a group pass off and go into the distance early on with riders from every big team. Or you could actually have a team that's like, okay, I'm going to control it. Yeah, it's your problem. I'm going to control it. But... <laughs> Who with? They've got five riders, and that's why I think lack of control is going to play a lot, and is going to play a big card in this race. I think there's a couple of other riders like Vlasov, Zakharin, and, and Sitikov on Russia mm-hmm. that question marks. But if they hit top form, I mean, Vlasov came second yeah. in Lombardia. He's an option. He won Giro dell'Emilia as well, the hilly race. Sitikov don't know what his form is like. Mike Woods, I worry about the descents. So you know, yeah, if it was a hilltop finish, I'd, I'd like Woods a lot. I think. Tactics-wise, if Avonapol's in a group, Benji, with a few other favourites and Wafana's 30 seconds behind, he has to sit on, right? And then not pull. Well, I would dare to say the same, but I'm afraid that they've actually said. I heard at least, I read an article this morning that Avonapol said he doesn't have to wait on Vanard if he's away, which I find a weird thing to say before the race because situationally depending on where that is in the race that could influence a lot 
if it's, for example, on the Mikuni Pass and you're about a kilometer from the top and the gap is 15 seconds, you 100% sit on. 100%. Because if you sit on and Van Aert comes back and you get him over the top of that climb, he is a favorite at the front of the race. There's literally no other rider in there that is likely going to do better. And yeah, if it's, for example, at the start and it's one kilometer into the Mikuni Pass and he's already 50 second, 15 seconds to 30 seconds behind, then you might as well just sit on a bit and if it continues rising, just start riding because if he's a, if he's a minute and a half behind at the top, then it's done for, you know? Like, it really depends on where it happens. If it's already earlier in the race, I would dare to say play a role and go into the attack. It depends on who's in the group with you, but if you're away on the plateau section before the Miguni Pass, which I doubt they will do, then... I would say ride a bit because that will force other teams to have to take control in the peloton group and the elite group and start pacing there to try and catch the Evenepoel group. And that might put Van Aert into a better seat for the last climb, you know? I think as well as for Slovenia, I've been struggling to think, are they going to do what they did at Imola last year where Pogaccia felt bad about winning the Tour de France and rode in support of Roglic yeah, even though he had shouldn't really happen. Legs. I don't expect that again this year. But then again, like Pogaccia's... He'll probably still be jet-lagged. He's flown over really late. He's had all the Tour de France press stuff after the race. i got to say his shape wasn't looking as dominant in the third week. He won back-to-back mountain stages, like, come on, but still not like stage eight or nine level dominance where he just rode away from everybody. And then there's the hot conditions. I think ideally for Slovenia, they have two riders over the top of Makuni and then they can re-attack um on the punches later with one of them and then even then if there's no van art maybe maybe they both change yeah if they've dropped van art keep pacing and then who's quicker than those two at the finish if van art's not there nobody really yeah they're very strong when it comes to their sprint we've seen it at lbl both lbls with roglic last year and Pogacar this year when they get over hills they are strong riders in a reduced bunch sprint then they can beat the likes of a volvare and i think that at some point, was it two years ago in Romandy, Roglic even won a proper reduced bunch sprint. So he can definitely outsprint people. Pogaccio, we've seen it as well because he's outsprinted, well, Roglic. So that does prove quite a few things. And um, yeah, it all depends on who's in the group. And if Vanat is in the group, then it will be harder. But we have seen Vanat have some whew, pretty meh sprints after very hard stages. Yeah, they can beat him so, in a sprint. Uh, it depends on the situation. If it's a very hard race, then it can definitely happen. And it wouldn't surprise me even like Pitcock, Salim, Brabant, Sapel. Pitcock's a better sprinter in my eyes than Roglic and Pogacar, but it still plays a role, you know. We can still overextend and go early in the sprint thinking he's the best sprinter in the group and they can play in, into that, you know. So time for our picks. The odds, which I should read out, Pogacar is the favorite at $5. Then it's Van Aert, second favorite at 7 Roglic at 7 So Slovenia, first and third favorites. Belgium, second and fourth favorites with Evenepoel at $11. Then it's Almeida at 17 despite the lack of team support, depth in team support, I guess, and a guy that's never won a race, but still he, he has all the ingredients to do well here, descending, Good climber, punchy. Sharkman's sixth favorite. I don't agree, to be honest. I think that's too short. I think Sharkman is going to struggle on Makuni, although he's been preparing for this a lot. And then even if he is at the finish, is he even quicker than some of the other guys here? Is he quicker than Igita? 
maybe. Valverde, then Moscon, Yates, Yates brothers in the 20s, then Agita Godu, Woods, Kiyoshi Maida, 30s to 40s, then Lushenko, Chikone, Katapaz, Kviatkovsky. So I like, as I said, Dan Martin at huge odds, Adam Yates a little bit. Um, and yeah, there I've had a few others. Chikone as well at like 50s plus. Uh, I like Chikone. Who do you like to win, Veggie? both in terms of value and then your actual pick. I don't know the odds by heart, but I think that my riders that I see as dark horses for this parkour that are definitely not all-out favorites is Betiol, Lutsenko, and Moscon. Those are three riders that I expect to do better than expected. And therefore, I think that my pick of them is going to be Lutsenko winning because you got to think about their team as well. Their preparation towards the Olympics is also based on what their team does to support them in their preparation. And Astana is a team that is literally a, like, it's Kazakhstan government, right? Astana, like, it's it's proper, like, proper nationality-based stuff. And as a consequence, I think they've got more support for the Olympics in that team than any other team. Lutsenko has been saying for a while that this is his goal from the start of the season. He's been building towards it. He has been looking pretty great. His top 10 at the tour, for example, he's been looking a bit less in the latter part of the tour, but I think that it's kind of logical. But I think that a one-day race where he's not seen as one of the favorites could play a role into him being a, a dark horse to take home the victory at the end. And he's still got a bit of a kick in a reduced bunch, but I don't think he's the fastest if it comes down to that reduced bunch. So, um, yeah, I think Lutsenko is my pick. It's, uh, it's an outsider, but... It's a bit boring to say Pogacar, Roglic, or Van Aert, to be honest. But then again, I think that it's closer together than people think because of the tactics. I'm going with uh, Adam Yates as my pick. Okay. I know, but it's, it seems unfair because the, uh, the Slovenia is so much shorter. I just think Roglic, the crash is interrupted preparation. Same as Pogacar, interrupted preparation. I don't really like them. And then Van Aert either gets dropped on the climb or... I, I don't know if they all focus on him. So it's a tough race to predict, um, but I definitely I definitely like the longer riders like Giacone made a damn up sort of style. Uh, Benji, I think, is a little bit on board with the tactics as well. But, yeah, that's the men's road race. Let us know down below what you think will happen. Uh, it's a pretty early start, but we'll be able to watch the finish in the morning, Europe time. Now onto the women's road race. Very different parkour. Uh, 135Ks long. They don't do Fuji. They don't do Makuni Pass, which... Crazy. It's crazy, but it's also a good thing for the competitiveness of the race. Ah, it depends. No, it doesn't. If they have Makuni and Fuji... Yeah, Makuni, yes. Van but Lewin I think and Fuji's right a better option. Like, it's it doesn't happen often when an Olympics parkour is actually like a very climby parkour. We've just coincidentally had it being Rio and... And this one right now, but I think it's Paris next time. You're not going to find mountains in Paris, so it's going to be more likely to be a either a sprint or a reduced thingy in Paris in a few years. So I would have liked to see it a bit more like with a decisive climb, because I feel like the Douchey Road is not as decisive as possible. What do you think? Douchey Road. <laughs> is that how you say? It? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to call it that from now. <laughs> Douchey Road. <laughs> All right, it's 4.3Ks at 6.7%. It's the first main climb. We have rollers <laughs> before it. We then have the Kagasaka Pass. Uh, it has a different gradients and length here on the readout. 
1800 meters at five and a half percent maybe it's a different one and then they do a descend and then they have rolly terrain and like 1500 meters at 5.8 percent uh which is uncategorized in the lead-in so there's lots of climbs in the lead-in to the finish which is slightly draggy uphill i mean frankly if the netherlands team don't win this race they shouldn't be allowed back in the country (laughs) in the betting their first second third and fourth favourites in the betting, Van der Breggen, Van Vleuten, Vollering, Boss. The only reason they're all at threes to eights is because people don't know which of them they're going to try and win with. It's an outrageously stacked team, Benji. How do you think they're going to ride it? Well, we need to look at the rider types in their team. We know that Van Vleuten is more the uh, the brutal force on the climbs and forces, attacks and so forth, keeps it up from the bottom of the climb to the top to make sure as little possible riders follow her over the top. But then you've got Voss and Volring, Voss being the rider that is the least climby of the four, I would say, and has a huge kick at the end. Volring a bit more climbing than Voss, but also has a kick at the end, but a slightly lesser kick unless the race is very difficult towards the end, then that could come close together. We saw that at La Course, for example, where they, SD Works had to make the race very hard to make sure Voss had less energy for the final sprint, and therefore Volring was able to take that home. And if the race is not as hard, then I think Voss has a bit of an upper, like a bit more favoritism around her than Volering. And that's how that can be decided. But the problem there is that if you go ham with Von Vleuten on the climb, then you might put Voss in danger. So <laughs> you kind of have to look at everything there. And then you've got Von der Breggen, who I think will just attack early because, um, yeah, this is her goal. The Olympics, right? Like yeah. she's been looking at it for ages and i think that she actually decided to do this extra year because it was postponed towards this year and as a consequence she wanted to end her career in the year that the olympics happened i think that they've got a problem in that they've got riders that basically they're very strong team they're extremely strong individually but i have no clue how they're going to be compatible because if van vleuten goes hard falls gets in danger if van der breggen goes then the others have to sit up in the group which is honestly a very solid tactic. I dare to say that's how you should play it. But what if Van der Breggen gets caught? Van der Breggen, is she going to ship away her chances at winning? I think that she's a, a pretty respected and kind person. So probably she will be like, okay, this is the best way we could win. I need to like control now and make sure Voss or our teammate at SD Works following can take it in the sprint. So yeah, I think there's a few things they can do. But I think Van Vleuten going ham at the start might chip into what the others can do. That's, that's exactly what I think they'll do. They're going to attack with Van Vleuten, not pull. I think attack, then sit on with the others. If the race is raced so hard that Voss is dropped, then I honestly, like, it's going to be hard for other teams to drop Demi Vollering, like... Yeah. And keep her keep her away as well because we have this long run into the finish, especially when you know that Van der Breggen will be sitting on if if they catch Van Vleuten, they will sit on. So I see Vollering making it to this finish, no problem at all, really. And yep. it's where the Voss is there. I think Van der Breggen, she won this in 2016, the road race, right? I think she's just wanting to um, get the TT on her Palmares. Oh, yeah, I think if right. it if it's together, if it's Vollering there or Voss, she will lead it out in the finish like she did in Liège, keep it together and have Vollering uh, or Voss lead them out for the sprint. I think 
The second strongest team is the Australian team. Uh, Brown, Giganti, Amanda Spratt, Tiffany Cromwell. It's Their main option is Brown going super early, I think, and just re-attacking from a break is their best option. I think the the next the non-Dutch uh, rider who is the, the best is Longo Borghini with a team yeah. of Paladin, Bastianelli, Cavalli. Not much climbing support Paladin, apart from Paladin, who is good. Um, but it's uh, what I'm seeing, Benji, is basically a group of Brown and Spratt and, <laughs> and uh, Longo Borghini having to chase uh, and Diagnan having to chase uh, a Dutch rider on their own. And, and then if they catch them, they'll get re-attacked. I think it's – yeah, who's the dark horse you think somehow they could pull this off? Yeah, uh, It's very difficult to say because, like, I think Ruth Winder is someone I'm looking to as a dark horse, but True. like She's in retiring. the grand scope of things, there's like not too much where I say, oh, Netherlands isn't winning this. So it's like, for me, there's a 90% chance that we have a Dutch winner. And if there isn't, then they fucked up. Like, <laughs> well, with that team, you need to win. Like, otherwise it didn't work together well. So that's how I see this race. Obviously, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but those are the facts. You said it, Grace Brown, perfect candidate to go for a sneaky attack because she's got that ability to go on the flat section. But if she does that, if she has a rider from the Netherlands with her in that attack, then it's becoming interesting because then you don't know what's going to happen. But would that be a tactical failure if, for example, the Netherlands is with four in the elite group and we're with about, I don't know, 10 kilometers to go, Grace Brown goes for the attack and the Netherlands has one rider with her you think that that's a tactical mistake because you'd say, oh, we should keep things together, you know, and have the Netherlands outsprint the others at the line. So stuff like that is something I'm curious to see what will happen. I'm extremely curious to the climbing ability of Norsgaard because she's gotten over proper hills in the third stage of the Healthy Aging Tour over that uh, Van Berg, like 20 times, what was it? 10 times probably. I'm yeah, exaggerating that slightly. That That's steep. a hard climb, steep. It's not as insane as like, well, I'm calling the Dushi Road insane. That's not true. Like, it's not the hardest of climbs. So, like, what if you get her over it? Like, they can't what go if... to the finish with her. They can't. Exactly. Then, then Netherlands needs to attack even more because, like, Netherlands needs to make it relatively hard to make sure Northgard doesn't get over that climb. They've stuffed it before, though, Benji. Remember Diedrichsen, yeah, right. did she, who did she win in front of? They had like a stacked team. Um, I think it was Kirsten Wild. Kirsten Wild, yeah. yeah. And they, they had a stacked team, but they just set it up for the sprint and then Diedrichsen beat her in the sprint and then hasn't done much since. But I don't think you can risk going to the finish with Norsgaard. She's super, super fast. And I think you're right. It's When you look at this parkour – it's really not that hard after they got 40 Ks of not that hard after Kagasaka and even Kagasaka is not the steepest. So I think Van Vleuten and Van der Breggen got to light it up early on Dushi and get rid of anyone that's quick and then reduce it to a group of eight with like Paladin, Longaboghini, Diagnan, Spratt Brown. Sorry if I'm missing anyone. Ulster Ludwig will be there, of course, and then work them over after that and try Ew. and... Yeah, sorry, go on. You believe in the ability of Italy getting a Bassinelli over this climb? Because we know oh. she's good at sprinting, but when it comes to her results, it's very like inconsistent. She's gotten 10 at Strada Bianca before, 
which does show that she can decently climb last year. So it's not that long ago. This year it has been uh, 35th at Amstel is not a horrible result, but it's not like this year has been showing extreme climbing ability, but like, do you consider the Dushi Road so difficult that it will drop riders like Bastianelli? Yeah, I think we always look at it. I think when you look at the women's parkour, you need to add a couple of percentages to the yeah. gradients to appreciate how the race is ridden because of the, they're not going to do it at the same speed as the men, so the drafting is less important. And we see a 5K, yeah. 6% climb can split a women's race apart completely. That's why I think if they have Makuni, like we saw in Burgos, when AVDB and, and hit the Jets on uh, Laguna Stanaya, yeah. like it's all over. So... Dushi, I, I think, can be very selective, to be honest. And if one of Van Leuten or Van der Breggen light it up, but then they have to commit to like a 60k solo, Benji, 55k solo at that point, which Van Leuten can has obviously done not so much this year. Um, although she won, did she win Flanders solo? Uh, no, it was a two women sprint, if I recall correctly. Um, who who won Tour of Flanders this year? No, she did win solo. Yeah, okay, she won solo, seconds, and there right. was dysfunction yeah, behind. Yeah, I will laugh. I bet you. How much do you want to bet, Benji, that Grace Brown and Ludwig will be trying to bring back Van Vleuten on the flatter section? Lisa Longobuki, he doesn't pull again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to bet on it, but it, it's a likely thing to happen. We've seen these things before this year. I'm just extremely curious how it's going to be played by teams that want to ruin the netherlands here what do you think who do you think has the biggest ability of upsetting the race Target. and the dominance Target. Target? okay yeah. just because i mean you just don't know she's literally not raced this year she hasn't done a road race this year she's done the american national champs itt um the big the reason why i say diget is because she is a freak like she can the problem is the handling, I guess, and she's barely, barely been road racing. But in terms of like physiological dominance, she is up there with the, the, the Netherlands women. The problem is the parkour suits them a little bit more. She's she's bigger. She's like 176 centimeters. Um, this is harder than Harrogate, which was still quite hilly. A lot of accumulated mm-hmm. climbing. Yep. But I think if if Tiger's there with them, which I mean, maybe she will be. She'll be picking. This is her goal, the Olympics. If she's there with them in the last 30Ks, I'd be pretty nervous if I was the Netherlands team because she can attack on one of those rises and is a super strong time trial rider. Like, she she was going to beat Van der Breggen easily in the TT last year, Benji, when she crashed. Yeah, true. Um, people don't forget that, how strong she is. Like, we know we think of AVDB as a freak. Well, Dyke was going to beat her last year, but the problem is her handling, so... He can pressure her on that descent as well. I don't care if it's not technical, they can pressure her. So who's your dark horse to upset them? Well, every time you ask me that throughout the year, it's Utrup Ludwig, but like, I find it difficult because I think that she's a candidate for something like bronze. She's had a proper sprint in the likes of Burgos that one stage that she ended up winning even. And... As a consequence, I do see her as one of those riders that could, in a reduced bunch sprint, sprint to third or something. But winning is going to be very difficult. I don't think she can get away on this parkour unless she's very lucky when it comes to no cooperation in a certain group. But 
it's unlikely that the Netherlands doesn't have more than a one rider in the group. So I think that as a consequence, they will likely have enough to pace any attack back after that Dushi road. And why wouldn't they even play it offensively? And that's the difficulty there. Who's my dark horse? Yeah, I'm guessing Ruth Winder because she had a decent sprint at Brabant. So was it against Volring that she had that yes, one yes. centimeter sprint? So you never know that it's an upsend in the sprint. Then it could be someone like Ruth Winder, but I um I see it very unlikely personally. But I could be wrong. Hey, we can all be wrong. My proper dark horse pick is Nivea Doma. I think yeah. she's been climbing so well this year. She's been, I think, the best initial 30-second punch on mm-hmm. like a, a 1K 6% climb. She's always got Agreed. separation to the other women in, in Ardennes. Will they be able to drop her and keep her dropped on Dushi and Kagasaka? No. No, uh, no. but there, there could be Van Vleuten up the road, so she's going to have to be chasing is the problem. But she's a good dark horse. She's deep in the betting and she's up there with, you know, she's a top, top rider who's looked good on this sort of finish. If you if you take away the start and just look at the last 25 kilometers, <laughs> she is good. The problem is if Van Vleuten's a minute ahead or Van der Bregen. But uh, my pick to win is is Van Vleuten Benji. Oh, okay. Solo. Okay. My pick to win is Mariana Vos. I think that it's not hard enough for her to drop her completely. I've seen her get over better, bigger climbs than Dushi Road. And yeah, for sure. I do think that she can survive it. And I think the people that are more likely to drop her are her own teammates. That's what I think happening. <laughs> and that's a difficult part, you know. Like You're right. Van Vleuten could go for the attack. Uh, Van der Bregen could go for the attack. And she'll be forced to sit up. And that's what could happen. And that's what might ruin her chances. And it's also a logical move to try and attack with Von the Dragon on the uh, flat section if no one else is. But the second that someone else attacks, I'd expect Von the Dragon to fall into that domestique role and try and get following and Voss to the line. But then, what do you do? Who do you sprint for? <laughs> I think Voss, personally. But why not both? <laughs> Wanty style. <laughs> just, I think, yeah, just do a hard lead out and let them go for it and they'll probably take gold and silver uh, most likely. But, again, Olympics, it's we've seen upsets. We've seen big stuff-ups. Uh, we've seen the Netherlands team lose from unlosable situations. Yeah, I'd love to see Sarah Giganti, the Australian, young Australian, do well, 20 years old, uh, national champion. She's got a kick, right? In 2019. Uh, more of a climber. Um, okay. More, more of an engine, to be honest. Like she likes to go solo um, early. So, yeah, I'd like to see how, how she goes. I think, yeah, just uh, what about your Belgians, Benji? Kopecky, is it too hard for her? Well, at Strade, she was climbing very well until she yeah. had a puncture. So then she collapsed completely because of the puncture. Then she had a, a puncture on the final of RVV. So... At this point, every single situation where I could see her climb well, she had ended up with a puncture. So it's very hard to say. It wouldn't surprise me if she gets over it, to be honest. But nah, it's going to be hard. I I have a hard time believing that she can get there. It's like on the same level as Norsgaard for me. Like, 
they can both get over that initial climb if the race is not ridden at full force there, but most likely it will. And that's where the danger lies. But I'd love to see them get over it because then it becomes more tactical. And then I think it's more likely to see the Netherlands go for attacks than try and get Voss to the sprint against Norsgaard and and Kopecky, for example. Yeah, maybe it's really slow and we see riders like Corin Rivera and Lippert in the in the group and then maybe mm-hmm. everyone else starts attacking the Netherlands in that last 20k. So that would be the best outcome for uh, interest in the race. That would be awesome because Rivera, she actually just won in the Giro Rosa. In a, there was like a 2k 6% climb. She got over and then won, I think, the sprint afterwards. Maybe we see Mavi Garcia on a long ranger as well but the descents never help her but yeah let us know down below what you see from the women's race as the netherlands team an absolute lock that's what it looks like on paper um it's like combining sd works and adding in van vleuten is always going to be pretty pretty unfair <laughs> and Voss. and Voss. <laughs> yeah right it's an embarrassment of riches um but yeah, we hope you enjoyed this Olympic road race preview. We'll have the TT preview tomorrow. If you want to support the podcast, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel if that's where you listen or give us a review or a rating on podcast players. They help out massively uh, the reviews and ratings or just give us a follow on Twitter at Lanchon Rouge CP. But we'll see you with the Olympics TT tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 